Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jonathan Harrison here, and uh, we were planning on doing this hot route style with five questions about what the Minnesota Vikings have done and a little bit around the league. But just before we went on, of course, I took two seconds to run to the grocery store (laughs) and restock on Diet Dr. Pepper. And uh, as of course, I was picking up 17 cases of this. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings signed Byron Murphy, cornerback from the Arizona Cardinals, who had been on our radar, somebody that had been mentioned on the show as a youngish player, signs a two-year, $22 million contract. And uh, Jonathan, this falls also under the category that Marcus Davenport did of players that are good bets for the Vikings to make. I mean, when we laid out kind of the criteria of What types of players should the Vikings look for in free agency? It was not players like James Bradbury who signed a huge deal today. It was not the top uh, pass rusher, uh, Javon Hargrave, for example. It wasn't those guys. They didn't have enough money to really compete for those guys unless they wanted to make just one signing this offseason. And plus, if you're hoping that one dude is going to turn around your entire defense or make a huge change for you, that usually doesn't happen. And that's why we bring up the Yannick Ngakwe trade all the time, that they were hoping one dude would entirely uh, operate their pass rush for 2020 and it blew up in their face. So instead, they are going out looking for young-ish free agents, as young as free agents are allowed to be, guys who might have upside players who were drafted fairly high in the past, Marcus Davenport and Byron Murphy. And uh, I think that this fits perfectly for what they're trying to do, which is if you hit on the guy, then you've got a great chance to keep him long-term, have it be a fit. And what we know is when players get into the building, uh, they usually want to stay with the Minnesota Vikings. We saw that from the NFLPA study. We have seen that from the past. And, you know, I think that this is right along the lines of the type of move that they should be making. And even if, you know, you're looking at his PFF grades, you're looking at his passer rating against, or you're looking at his statistics, you're probably not overwhelmed and saying, oh, wow, they got themselves a superstar. But also he's got three years of being a shade above average, so not terrible. And what you're aiming for is to get him here, put him with Brian Flores, make it a fit and feel like you found somebody. And if it doesn't work out the same thing with Marcus Davenport, this is not a long-term contract. You are not asking this guy to be the savior of the franchise. So there is little risk in a move like this potential high reward. 
And it's a guy that is flying under the radar a bit because now when you look at those cornerback prices, I even wrote about this yesterday. It's like, okay, you're not getting the top guys because you're just not going to be able to compete with that kind of money. But also, Jonathan, historically, I think we've seen it be oftentimes just as good to go for a little bit more of the second wave of corners than the top guys, where if it blows up, then you have thrown so much money into a JC Jackson that totally blew up for the chargers last year. So this is another move that I think I, you know, you give an a, you give an a plus, like this is exactly what they should be going for. I think you give it an a plus because of the contract that's involved. It's not, you're not holding him or you don't have him here for a long time. It's two years. So if it does go bust, you can get rid of him pretty quickly and you can move on. But if it does work out for you, it's an easy re-sign and you can move on and keep him here for a long time. And as I agree with you, it's one of those, it's one of these moves where you're taking advantage of a guy who's coming off an injury. He has that going against him with his back injury that he had last year. So obviously his market was pushed down a little bit because of that. There was probably some concern there. And you're taking advantage of that. And you're asking Brian Flores, who has a history of kind of bringing these guys up and scouting, as we've said multiple times on this program, that he that he had a he has a history of scouting guys, and you're asking him to do that. You're not gonna you they probably communicated with him. Look, we're not keeping many of our our high price free agents because they're all old, and obviously we can't afford them. So we're gonna need we're gonna rely on you to find these guys, these diamonds in the rough, and kind of make them into these stars that we're hoping that they can be. So this seems like one of those moves that fits in right with that. Yeah. I mean, he is 25 years old, by the way, like Marcus Davenport is a little bit older. He's going to turn 27 during the season, but uh, with Byron Murphy, he just turned 25 years old. And the, the fact that there's still potential for development there has to be a huge factor in this and looking over his statistics it's not great. It's definitely not great from last year where he allowed 105.5 rating on throws into his coverage the year before though, that was only 87.8 and he had similar PFF grades, which kind of tells you how wonky those stats can be uh, where, you know, somebody makes the the catch of the century against you and it counts and, and looks like you did something bad. So the grades are a little bit more reliable and he's been just a round or a shade above average uh, each year, two out of the last three years, very good in run defense, an aggressive blitzer who created quite a few pressures. Um, so, and, and a guy with raw talent uh, enough to be the 33rd overall pick just a couple of years ago. And that sort of speaks to what the high ceiling could be. And even if he does turn out to be an average player at this price tag, I think is very good. I mean, average corners are good corners. Uh, That doesn't mean they're going to be perfect, but they're a lot better than when you see it completely implode in the secondary, like it has with a lot of their players the last couple of years. So this is a good replacement for Patrick Peterson. Not that I expect him to play as well as Patrick Peterson, but as a guy who can continue to grow and be a part in the best case scenario of your long term, uh, when we were talking with Eric Eager earlier, he was talking about signings for then, signings for down the road, and this could be one of those, that if you sign him to a nice little deal here and he helps you this year, that's good. And if he helps you the year after at a fairly decent price, that's very good because despite what they did earlier with Kirk Cousins, they're going to try to compete in 2024 
But if you have him here and you can re-sign him, uh, the next time he's coming up for a contract is age 27. That's not old at all. Right? Mm -hmm. So you have the potential in the absolute best case scenario that this could work out for a number of years and you find a staple over there. It also gives you more margin for error with a Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr. because we really don't know with either one of those guys. And I thought going into this, the Vikings should treat the cornerback position like they had nobody, like they had an entire room to fill and this ends up being a part of it. Uh, now, I will say we're getting this question about earlier with the Cousins restructure, and it was clear to anybody who watched or listened earlier <laughs> that, that look, when I when I say throughout the last couple of weeks, it's a main goal to not hurt yourself going into 2024, and then they do it, what do you want me to say? I mean, they clearly right. made it more difficult for themselves next year, and there is no moving that around. That is $28 million dead cap, and it is dead forever. So there's nothing you can do about that. And yeah, they have other cap space to work with next year, but half of a roster. So they're going to have to fill a whole roster. And that is just going to be a rock, an anchor sitting there. So it doesn't change really anything about that, especially because there were other options on this roster right now. And during the show, we might see another shoe to drop, but there were other ways to create enough space to sign someone like Byron Murphy Zadarius Smith has still not been cut. Harrison Smith, Delvin Cook. There were other options for creating that cap space to make a move like this. And if they ended up doing it because they wanted to make sure they kept uh, Delvin Cook or one of those other guys, I think that uh, that would be a bad move in that case. So I, I don't tie them together to say they had to do that to do this because there were other things that... Uh, uh, that they needed to do. So um, I'm just checking here real quick on another question about him playing in the nickel. Yeah, no, that's uh he, that's right. That's a good call uh, from our friend sloth here in the comments. He's capable <laughs> of nickel uh, playing in the nickel. And that, and that is a big deal in Brian Flores's defense, by the way, that you couldn't just bring back Shannon Sullivan and sort of hope. Uh, you, they need a nickel corner who can play man-to-man -man coverage in this defense because it is so aggressive and someone with blitzing experience like Byron Murphy, but it's so aggressive. They love the cover zero blitz where you send everybody and it's just man-to-man -man with the wide receivers. You need someone to be able to play man-to-man -man coverage who's a nickel corner, not just drop back in zone and make tackles in front of you and kind of just uh, you know hang on for dear life. You really need a good player in that position. And looking at uh, Murphy's usage over the years, he has played more slot. No, uh, well, overall, in the last three years, more in the slot than he has outside, but he's split. So he does have quite a bit of uh, versatility there for this guy. So I have zero criticisms for this move. He was on our radar. Our intern, Haley English, uh, included him as a potential target for somebody to look for. And I think another point, too, is that um, he comes from a defense that was bad, that was not run very well. And of course, next year's defense probably won't be super for the Vikings, but maybe it will be run potentially well. And as you grow with him, I think every part affects the other parts. So if someone like a nickel corner gets in a good defense, remember when Terrence Newman was able to yeah. do it with a really good defense, if you build the defense and he's part of it, he's a cog in the machine, I think that could be helpful as opposed to chaos, which was the Arizona Cardinals defense last year. And just uh, to answer uh, Greg's question about whether it's easier to trade Cousins, 
oh no, it's vastly harder. In fact, almost impossible. So that's another part of this, um, that if they were to trade him, they would take a $38 million cap hit for this year, which again, is just not possible for them to do with their current position. So that means that he can't be traded. And if you, and I got some questions about, we, we sort of like when they signed the blocking tight end from the Ravens, like Lamar, Lamar, is that you calling? <laughs> uh, that dream's dead friends. That dream oh, is dead. Yeah. So if you had any uh, discussions with your friends about whether the Vikings should chase Lamar Jackson, your quarterback for 2023 is Kirk, whatever his middle, how do I not know his middle name? I've been covering him it's for this here. long. Yeah. Like, what do you guess, have like a John or something? Uh, Kirk, Kirk, uh, Edward? Daniel. No. Daniel, okay, Daniel. all right. Had to be, had to be. Uh, okay, so Kirk, Kirk Daniel Cousins will be your quarterback <laughs> for 2023 without question. It's just whether they decide to draft one this year or draft one next year, and those are the only discussions to be had. Do they trade up? For this year to try to get someone? Do they see if someone drops? Do they draft a developmental quarterback or do they wait until 2024 to do it? Um, but one of the problems is if they do it this year, then they are still very expensive if you draft a first round quarterback at the quarterback position. And then next year, you're paying 28 million plus a first round quarterback's price, which means that's going to have a lot of cap space dedicated to the quarterback. So we won't spend as much time into that because we did an instant reaction to it uh, earlier, um, but focusing just on the Byron Murphy move, the most recent thing we just saw, I, I just, I, I can't find a single thing that I wouldn't like about it, Jonathan, other than I guess he was banged up last year and maybe you worry a little bit about that, but I can't even find in his past where there were any issues really with injuries for him. All right, so then let me get my question out here. This, uh, I guess, talk me into, if you will, since we play like to play these games here on the show. Uh, looking at his PFF stats, you mentioned that uh, with the Brian Flores aggressive blitz, they like to play the man coverage uh, quite a bit. They play the man coverage in the zero, uh, zero coverage scheme. His numbers, according to PFF, his grades, his man coverage grades over the past season, past three seasons, if I'm remembering these correctly, have not been good. Last season, his man coverage obviously banged up, only played nine games. Man coverage grade was 99 or was 44.0 compared to a zone coverage grade of 71.9. And it kind of follows that similar path over the last three seasons as well. Talk me into not being too concerned about that. Uh, that looks like flaw in his game that he doesn't really, according to the grades on PFF, play the man coverage as well as his zone coverage. And considering what the defense is going to be installed here with Brian Flores. That kind of concerns me a little. So talk me out of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's no, it's certainly a concern that his numbers in the past and in man coverage weren't good. I think the talk you out of that is, well, one is they don't run the blitzes all the time. So that is one. Uh, if there's any position in Brian Flores's defense that will play a little more zone, it would be the nickel corner, probably uh, just how defenses generally have to work. You're not as a nickel, assuming that that's going to be his job. You're not as a nickel lining up man to man all the time. It's usually just in the case where they send a lot of blitzers and then those like zero blitzes where everybody comes, then you have to do that. And I don't know how that breaks into 
when he played in the nickel and when he played outside, as far as that goes. So they may view him one way or the other. They may look at him as a purely a nickel, or they may look at him purely as outside. But the way I see it is even if that doesn't work out because of exactly the number you just said, and is that a little concerning? I would say it is. It certainly is. But if it doesn't work out because of that and he can't cover people man to man and it blows up, that's okay. And and that's not to say that next year doesn't matter or throw it out or whatever, because clearly with what they did with Kirk Cousins today and how they're adding some of these pieces, you know, they're not getting just all development players and that kind of thing that are way down the list. It's more of guys who fit into that small area of could have more potential and aren't that expensive. So you have to get guys with flaws. Marcus Davenport had a half a sack last year. What you're doing is you're trying to find some sort of diamond in the rough. So you're going to your scouting department and saying, hey, uh, did we see something here when this guy was coming out? This happens all the time where free agents will get signed for halfway decent prices, even if they haven't produced as rookies because the team really liked them when they were coming out in the draft and saw flashes of it. And so when you look at his overall numbers, there's definitely flashes of it and the blitzing numbers also where he's had some success. Maybe they feel like he was used too much as an outside corner because it was split quite a bit and he needs to be a pure nickel and that's where he'll be better. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that those numbers are worth bringing up and looking at and saying, oh, that's not good. If he's had trouble playing in man coverage in the past and he's coming to a man coverage system. But also I would say that cornerback numbers are hard to pin down because so much is how you're used. And if that happened a lot on the outside or a lot on the inside with some of those numbers, but he was better in one place or the other, uh, they might be able to use him a little better than Arizona did. And Arizona is one of those teams that you cannot trust. You can't say... (laughs) This is yeah. not like, um, you know, New England, where if they're getting rid of a guy, then there's probably a reason and buyer beware. This is much more of, oh, Arizona didn't like him. But yeah, it's definitely worth bringing up those numbers. I just think that if it doesn't work out, you have not crushed yourself that the, it has the same with Davenport. If Davenport comes here, sacks nobody, gets hurt, it's one year deal. It, you didn't lock into yeah. him for a long term. And the same thing goes with Josh Oliver, it's a three-year deal, but it's more of a two-year deal. It was $10 million guaranteed. But the upside of Josh Oliver is maybe an emerging player who did contribute to some extent in the receiving game as well, but an elite run blocker. Maybe that works out really well for you. And I, every move, I want to be like this. Maybe it works out really, really well for you has to be the last line of every discussion that we have for every player that the Vikings decide to sign. So those, yeah, those are good stats and interesting stats. And I think maybe if they play him purely as a nickel, uh, that some of that can be reduced, but if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it does, then they've got someone for a long time. Uh, let's get into some of the other stuff here. Uh, and if anybody else has thoughts, on Byron Murphy. I feel like it's so, sort of an open and shut discussion yeah. with Murphy. It's like not, a, not a huge commitment, potentially a good player. Okay. That'll work. Uh, and you know, we'll ask around to other reporters from Arizona and things like that in the coming days about what they think of it and get some other opinions. But to me, that's the biggest thing is just that these moves have upside and not a ton of commitment. Uh, so how about this? Uh, the Vikings, Uh, filled their center position with Garrett Bradbury. Um, Patrick Peterson left, Delvin Tomlinson left, Adam Thielen left, Eric Kendricks left. 
So where are the Vikings likely headed with their first round pick now that you have seen all this happen? And of course, as I was writing the question, I didn't know they were signing Byron Murphy. So they, they sign a corner. I don't know if that changes anything in your mind, Jonathan. But as of right now, let's just say I told you, I looked into my crystal ball. They did not trade out of number 23. They selected somebody. What do you think is the position that they went with? I would assume it's defensive tackle right now because they still have a gaping hole there. Marcus Davenport's more on the edge. I don't know that you're going to rely on Harrison Phillips to do that role. And you still have, you're not going to have Jonathan Bullard do that either. You, you still are whoever else they have left on the roster in that position. They still need that position. And if the pit guy is still there, you're going to take him because he's got the upside. I'm blanking on his name right now, but you're going to take that one. Kalijah Kansi, because the upside, he had a great uh, combine showed out. Now, if he drops, that's a question because he might have helped his stock a little bit too much to be there at 23. But I think the Vikings will look at defense to try and shore that up because they don't have a whole lot of bodies there. They need a lot of young guys. Uh, you can't bring in Brian Flores and then just – dump all the veteran guys and say, Hey, good luck with the scrap heap. You have to give him something. And I would assume that it's probably going to be defensive tackle. If not, do they go with another corner? Yes. They just signed Brent Byron Murphy and they have the two young guys uh, in Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth jr. But obviously they have injury issues from last season. They could also go there. Those are my two. Those are the two thoughts that pop out of my, or pop out right away is that they'll still look at corner because uh, it'll still be there. They'll have plenty to choose from in this draft class or is it defensive tackle? Yeah. I mean, cornerback, there is a bevy of guys who are expected to go somewhere between 15 and 30 uh, with that position. And the Vikings could kind of have their pick outside of the top two, which would be, uh, well, at least how most people are looking at it, Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter Jr., that those players are probably going to be taken. And then after that, uh, you've got a pretty good chance to be able to draft someone at 23 at the cornerback position. I also think that that is partly one of those spots that Brian Flores has coached in the past with defensive backs, safeties, corners, and he might be looking at those. When you hire Brian Flores, I think maybe you promise him first yeah. Excuse me. First dibs. Uh, this is what happens when we drink soda during the show. Uh, but <laughs> first, first dibs on uh, making a draft pick. I, yeah. I definitely think that um, you tell Brian Flores, yeah, we're going to be drafted some defensive players. So get out your scout notebook like he used to use when he was a scout for the Vikings. Um, but there are multiple options there. Uh, I see some folks in the comments bringing up linebacker. I think that linebacker is maybe a position that you don't try to spend usually in the first round. Uh, if you look at recent history on first round linebackers, if we don't call Micah Parsons a linebacker and we call him an edge rusher, it's a, it's a little bit more risky in my mind. And the upside isn't as high. Uh, you have to draft a megastar linebacker for that to matter, where if you draft a good corner, uh, and I mean, versus someone that you could bring in in free agency. If you draft a good corner and you get a shutdown player there, it can be unbelievably helpful to your defense. Uh, the one position you didn't mention is on the offensive side and defensive tackle for sure. I mean, you see what teams are paying pass rushing yeah. defensive tackles this year. Jerron Payne being the best example, Javon Hargrave. Like these guys are getting huge dollars because teams have figured this out. 
what the Vikings knew many years ago with John Randall or Henry Thomas. If you have guys that can get after the passer from the interior, holy cow, does that throw off the opposing offense? And we've seen it on the other side too with the Vikings. Um, you know, I think uh, Derek brings up two really good options, potentially uh, Brian Breeze and Nolan Smith is the edge rusher who ran a four, three, nine, which just sounds absolutely <laughs> perfect for playing that wide nine and the edges standing up and getting after the passer. So those guys all could be potential, really good picks on the defensive line. We don't like long-term. We just don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Hunter. Still Zadarius Smith, either way is not going to be part of this thing. Long-term I'm waiting for him to be cut, but they must be going after potential trades here or having those conversations because there's no other reason in my mind that Zadarius Smith would still be on the team after signing Marcus Davenport. Um, great point by Ben that, you know, before um, uh, Sharif Floyd's surgery, uh, he was exactly this. He was that interior penetration, yep. three down type of player that they could really, really need, uh, really use. And if, you know, Cansey is there. I'm not sure he will be, but that's the guy or breeze. Both of those guys make a lot of sense, but we also didn't bring up wide receiver. And I think that still should be on the table because now that they've gone out and they've gotten a corner that they've spent a little money on and an edge rusher that they've spent a little money on. I don't think that they're looking in free agency and not that there's a lot of these guys. Anyway, Jacoby Myers is already off the board, but even a Juju Smith Schuster or something, if they're signing someone, it's probably along the lines of a short-term, not not huge contract for any wide receiver. Alan Lazard going to the Jets, as all of Aaron Rodgers' friends are. Um, at some point, he's going to ask for them to sign Jordy Nelson, I think, or <laughs> a witch doctor, uh, or so you know, everything on the table there. But you know, I, I just think that like the wide receiver position, there's no really good way to get someone who can replace Adam Thielen unless it is Odell Beckham. Uh, Jonathan brings up a good name, DJ Chark. But I mean, all of those guys that are there that are kind of older, the DJ Charks, the Juju Smith-Schusters, um, you know, there's some good players there, but I don't think we're talking about guys that you would say are a significant upgrade over Adam Thielen. If you're looking for someone that could potentially be a game changer to pair, and, and it's fine to sign one of those guys short term, but if you're looking for a game changer to pair with Justin Jefferson, you have to draft that position. And that's why it is so yeah. hard for them right now that they don't have the type of draft capital to spend because every position we just talked about, there's a great case for it. There's a great case for your defensive tackle or your cornerback or the edge rusher if he's there and Nolan Smith. I mean, there's just a really good argument for any of these positions. But in my mind, if you're trying to both compete and plan for the future receiver is the best one because we know this if you hit on the guy then he's going to be good right away and make an impact right away as we've seen from numerous receivers mm -hmm. over the last couple of years who've stepped right in and made a difference maybe even more so than a cornerback that has more of a development curve unless uh you know you're talking about a sauce gardener or something but usually there's more of a development curve for corners and edge, uh, you know, edge rushers and defensive linemen can make a difference right away, but it's not often uh, massive right away. So, you know, I, I, I look at it as any one of those options probably work and it ends up being best player available in those positions. But the more obvious answer is the one I said you couldn't use, which is they probably try to fill multiples of those positions by trading back. Don't you think Jonathan? 
Yeah, it, it feels like a draft that they will trade back because as you and Eric talked about on the podcast earlier, Kwesi was brought in to kind of bring in and get a lot and accumulate a lot of draft picks. And right now they don't have a lot for this year. They've already given away some next year. So he needs to start filling in some of those draft picks that uh, he's kind of given away over the past couple months. And the best way to do it is trade down, accumulate picks for this year and next year, and start filling in some of these holes because they have a lot of them next year. As you said, 26 guys on the roster next year. They're going to need to fill those holes. And what better way to do it on the cheap than with draft picks? And they and they have to have more draft picks than they have right now. And to do that, you have to trade down. It's not going to be the most fun for Vikings fans that they're trading out of the first round possibly. But for the long run, if you are truly competitive rebuilding and it feels very much like they are, the best way to do that is accumulate draft picks by trading down. Yeah, I think that that's right at the cornerback position, especially there's supposed to be a good number of guys that are sort of even in their draft grades from most of the draft analysts. Um, You know, I I see uh, just to throw this comment up here about, you know, receivers being strong in the early and mid rounds. That's one where second round receivers we have seen have quite a bit of success and a little bit into the third round. Terry McLaurin is pretty good. Second round, though, seems to have just produced a lot of good receivers. And this year appears in my mind to have a lot of receivers who are more of second round talents that if they trade it back into the second round and you're looking for corner and receiver, those are two positions you might be able to get potential quality players. The what Just the way the draft tends to work is the first half of the second round usually is where it starts to peter out. And I know um, Mike Renner said on the show that he only sees maybe 25 to 30 first round talents here. But just historically, if you go back through all the drafts, you're going to find a good amount of starters and even some real star players into the second round. Uh, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, those are elite wide receivers. Those are all pro players who were drafted in the second round. Uh, So, you know, you can get those guys still, I think, with decent odds. Receivers are very hard to evaluate. Um, also, I believe just with route running being such a big part of it, fit for the team that they go to being a big part of it as well. Sometimes the best athlete doesn't always turn out to be the best receiver. Justin Jefferson was the fifth wide receiver off the board in his draft year. So there's a lot of evidence for, hey, you don't necessarily have to get the top guy. You can wait a little bit, but I would not wait past the second round. That that after that, I think is mostly, if not all, uh, outliers. Just a quick question here: Why is Delvin Cook still employed? <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I don't know what's happening there. Something, something has to happen. So I'm, you know, trying to keep the math straight in my head. They created quite a bit of cap space from the players that they cut: Eric Kendricks, Adam Thielen. And then the restructure from Kirk Cousins, but they've also spent quite a bit of cap space these last couple of days uh, in their signings. So that may maybe around even at this point, like something else has to happen. I'm assuming it's Zadarius Smith, but I don't know what the argument would be for not moving on from Delvin Cook if they are just continuing to shop him, continuing as some of the running backs come off the board in free agency, Jamal Williams is going to sign somewhere. We just saw David Montgomery join the uh, Detroit Lions, which I'm sure Vikings fans not want to see because David Montgomery is pretty good and probably has a few years of still being in his prime. 
So that's a, a really good move for Detroit and their offense for a versatile player who's kind of ripped the Vikings apart the last couple of years in playing for Chicago. But as some of these running backs find their homes, Miami uh, re-signed their two guys, Mostert and Wilson. Now, is there a place for Delvin Cook? Is there a team that wants him? And that might be the holdup here because tomorrow afternoon, as we record this on Tuesday night, it's three o'clock central where they have to be cap compliant. One of those moves, I think, has to happen before then. Uh, if they keep Delvin Cook, I'm going to be confused. Uh, there yeah. was there was quite a bit of chatter, though, about re-signing Alexander Madison and moving on from Delvin Cook. That would be wise, in my mind, to see Alexander Madison in a bigger role. He does not have a whole heck of a lot of hits yeah. on that body, that's for sure, with him and pair him with Ty Chandler, maybe draft the guy in the late rounds or sign you know, a really cheap free agent. I think that's a much better approach than bringing back a running back who is in the be terrified age of him. Yeah. I mean, uh, even, you know, even if you look at Adrian Peterson after age 28, 29, and he did have the one season where he led the NFL in rushing, but his comparison to his first part of his career in yards per carry goes down by about a yard, yard and a half. And that's one of the greatest runners of all time. So it happens to everyone. Derrick Henry, they're trying to trade him, which also might be some kind of holdup that other teams are throwing offers, you know, all over the place. Or they might be saying, no, we want to keep him. We just needed a blocking tight end. I, I really don't know what's going on there. And I don't know. Someone asked about the highlight video he put out. Who who could know? Who could know? I only can interpret Stefan Diggs tweets, okay? That's my only talent. Anybody else, don't ask me. Chris Thomason tweets I can uh, <laughs> with, his, with with his text from Harrison Smith. If everybody saw that on Twitter, now though, you haven't I, seen it. I don't know how you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, go find it. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, those I can interpret. Uh, pictures of Prince staring at the camera, uh, but that's a lot of moving parts still. And each day we've come in at the end of the night, Jonathan. We've said a lot of moving parts still. A lot of yeah. moving parts still tomorrow it will happen, but literally tomorrow has to be something. Uh, and uh, we'll kind of go from there and, and see what they decide to do. They all might not be here. They all might be here. I'm not really sure because they still can push restructure buttons, but the way they've handled everyone, but Kirk says to me, they don't want to hit more restructure buttons. They could have created a bunch of space with Brian O'Neill. They have not done that. They could have restructured Harrison Smith. And those guys have no choice. It's in the contract where the Vikings can do that anytime, but that's pushing money down the road. And they mostly haven't do that, uh, done that, which I think is why it's taken me a little by surprise that they did move so much money into next year uh, with Kirk Cousins. But anyway, there's a, another signing that they made, Jonathan. Last night, I was wrapping up the show. And I said, oh, yeah, one more question. Someone asked about Greg Joseph, whether they're going to resign him. And I was like, I don't know. I just, you know, if you look at his numbers, field goal percentage, extra points were a problem. Not really sure that that would be the best move. And then they resigned Greg Joseph today. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan, playing with fate? Or is it right that they decided to stick with their kicker, Greg Joseph, at a very, I will say, a very low price in comparison to what it looks like kickers are making? a very low price for Greg Joseph, but I think they might be toying with fate a little bit here because at no point during his career, has he been an above average kicker? So they've got to have some competition for him as well. But I think, I don't know. You can only upgrade so many positions when you don't have any money. 
So yeah. they kind of had to do what they had to do and they have familiarity with him. So I guess it's okay from that perspective, but from a numbers perspective, it has not been above average for Greg Joseph. No. And, and like you said, the number, the cap number is, is favorable to where the Vikings are at right now with how much, how little cap space they have to play around with. So that's probably the biggest factor in why he's back other than the fact that they know him and they feel like they probably feel like they can get the best out of him by just being a better environment for him than the past couple head coaches he's had. So there's probably that. I think it is toying with fate, but that's kind of the Vikings franchise at this point with kickers is you're just toying with fate all the time with that position. So, and if they are really not that concerned with, obviously there is, they obviously want to win, but if they're really more concerned about kind of rebuilding this thing, they're probably not too concerned about, Hey, if he misses a game winning kick, it's not going to hurt us because it's a higher draft pick for us in the end. So there's probably that factor to go along with it, but they're, they also just probably feel like they can get more out of him than what they did last year, because it'll be another year under Kevin O'Connell and another year under their special teams coordinator. Who's really good at what he does. So I feel like it's a decent enough move. And at this point, the Vikings kickers are just, cursed anyway so what does it matter at this point yeah there is a case for if you chase your tail with kickers like you know what you have mostly with greg joseph if you chase your tail with kickers you can really end up just going round and round and round and then you end up giving matt gay some massive deal (laughs) like the indianapolis colts did and you look like a crazy person which they are indeed run by a crazy person so there's that uh but with joseph I don't know if you brought in three or four kickers who are unproven undrafted free agents or guys who are down the list. Do you find someone who works out? Uh, Maybe, Uh, you know, I I don't know. Are you willing to take that swing because proven kickers do cost a lot of money? So I don't think they're in a position to find one of the league's greatest kickers. It's okay that they brought back Greg Joseph. Just make sure you're also keeping your eye on other kickers. Don't draft them. Do not do that unless no. it's Daniel Carlson. He's great. What a draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. That one don't will sp- always sting. I know. Don't spend uh, draft capital on kickers because they're just too volatile and it's you're wasting your time. Uh, however, they should bring in guys to see if there's anybody who can outkick Greg Joseph. He did totally redeem himself toward the end of the year, the 61-yard game winner, and that probably locked him in. And again, the price tag is so small. The commitment is so small. It's not a big problem. Um, question here about Josh Oliver. Uh, the draft pro- profile on Josh Oliver, the blocking tight end, the Viking sign, talked him up as an athletic receiving tight end who led his team in receiving. He also went to like San Jose state. So if you're a fairly good athlete, you probably could lead your team. Wasn't it San Jose? I think it was San Jose state. Could Kevin O'Connell unlock these skills? This is why I did like the deal. Okay. For that. And when you look at the salary cap hits, it's not bad for Josh Oliver. I think some people got kind of worked up because it was a blocking tight end was their first signing. So if you really wanted to react to that first signing, what is it? What's it going to be? It's like Christmas time. You got all the presents under the tree and then you open the first one and you're like socks. Like what, what is this socks? Uh, However, I, I do think there is upside and look at tight ends, look at their history. What often happens is they take so long to develop because the position is very complicated and challenging that the next team that signs them 
is usually the team that benefits from someone else drafting that tight end. And I saw that comp picks were brought up. Look, this is just a little bit of a thing for me. Get asked about comp picks constantly. Don't worry about comp picks. Don't concern yourself with comp picks. It is unbelievably hard to get a high comp pick. You usually end up with a fifth or a sixth or a seventh. Don't worry about them. Do what you need to do for your play for your real players, for your real roster. And if you get comp picks, that's totally fine. But most of the time they end up evening out and you don't get many because everyone you let go, if you sign someone, then it eliminates the comp pick. But are you not supposed to sign people to fill out your roster? It's real hard to benefit from the comp pick system. That's my point. So every year it's, do we get a comp pick for that? Somebody left. Do we get a comp pick for that? What's with that guy? If he leaves, we get a comp pick. Like, don't worry about it. It's not going to make a difference anyway. Uh, if it if it does, then good for you. But for the most part, no, uh, it usually doesn't. And I'm And I'd rather just have a player that could have a high ceiling and end up working out and be a big player for you than somebody who, you know, you're drafting in the fifth round. So I don't worry about those. Uh, Jonathan, I, I want you to make a statement here, put this on paper. We will hold you to this for the rest of the entire next season. So this is an important moment for you. Um, <laughs> your job here at purple insider is actually on the line for you picking this correctly right now. So don't okay. act so casual. Okay. Don't be laughing. Uh, after two days of free agency and Aaron Rodgers most likely going to the Jets, although it's always possible he goes on Pat McAfee and announces that he's going to be a Cale Berkeley professor now or something. I don't know, or whatever. I don't know. That was maybe not exactly accurate. I should have said University of Phoenix professor. That's what I should have said. I had I had that one right up there. That's what I should have gone with. Like yeah. some ITT tech philosophy, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, not the point. Uh, so he's going to the Jets. I want you to predict the records of everyone in the NFC North for next year, based on what we've seen from the Chicago Bears who continue to spend, spend, spend. The Lions also, man, the Lions, they signed Emmanuel Mosley, which was a great move. A, a, a tremendous move. So they've restocked their cornerback position. Their defense is going to be better. If you were to predict right now, what's everybody's record in the NFC North, where would you go? Uh, I'll start with the Lions. I'll place them first in the NFC North. I think they'll win it this year. Uh, just based off the rest, what everybody else has done. And I'm, I don't have faith that Jordan Love will be able to uh, uh, do anything, do much with the Packers. Uh, I do like Matt LaFleur as a head coach. I think he's a good head coach, but I don't know about Jordan Love. Jerry's still out on him because we haven't seen a whole lot from him. So I'm going to go with the Lions as the best team in the NFC North, and I'll give them, uh, let's go 10 wins, 10 and 7 this year as the winner of the NFC North. We've seen teams win their division with less wins, aka Tampa Bay Buccaneers this last year, 8 and 9. I think the, I th I think the Vikings will finish second because the rest of the division won't be that great. I think they'll finish second, but it's going to be a nine and eight or an eight and nine season. Uh, Cause you have this base level with Kirk cousins that it's going to be seven, eight wins. And it, the Vikings will be around there because they'll still have a good enough offense to win a couple games uh, that they probably shouldn't. And the defense, who knows what it is. I think it'll be better because I like Brian Flores a little bit better than uh, Ed Donatel. And I think he'll be able to, despite 
the fact that they'll have a lot less talent than they had this last year. I think Brian Flores will just be able to get a little bit more out of what pieces he has in front of him than Ed Donatel did last year. So eight and nine, nine and eight for the Vikings. I think the Bears will be around that same level as well. Probably, probably leaning more towards seven and seven and ten for them. And then the Packers finishing last at probably five, five win, five, six wins with them. Cause I don't like the rest of their roster right now. Uh with who's who's Jordan Love thrown to besides Christian Watson at this point? He doesn't really have a whole lot. And a guy that you're still looking and still trying to figure out what you have, you usually want to stack talent around him at the receiving position. And they've got Christian Watson and everybody left for New York. So Right. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do without Mercedes Lewis? <laughs> Actually, let's let's play this game. People can answer this and I'll give I'll give my answer. But I, I just want people to fill in the blank. So Aaron Rodgers teased everybody for this couple of weeks and made it seem like he was going to the Jets. But instead, he's quitting to become a blank. Comment section, fill it in. We'll, we'll read some of the best oh, ones. Aaron Rodgers quitting to become a blank. You're Go leaving ahead. some of the show up to the YouTube comment section. This is I dangerous, am. caller. That's how we'll end the show uh, is I'll <laughs> read some of the ones that people fill in. I am uh, very close to where you're at with that. And I think it's the safest way to pick it is probably that the Lions win 10 to 11 games. Uh, and then the Vikings are right there because with Kirk Cousins coming back, you have a floor. You're not winning less than seven or eight games. And then with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, maybe an offensive line that develops together. Bringing back Garrett Bradbury is probably an important part of this improved uh, running game. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the comments. <laughs> I try to answer this question. Uh, but, uh, you know, with with an improved running game, if they don't bring Delvin Cook back or they, you know, run out of 12 personnel more and things like that. I do think that the schedule is a big deal, but I'd put the Vikings at eight or nine wins at this moment. And I would do the same for Chicago. I don't think Chicago is going to just sign all these players and be way, way better as in 12 wins better, unless Justin Fields turns into what Jalen Hurts did this last year. I think they're one, probably one year away from being a great team. If Justin Fields is really good, if Justin Fields is not really good, they could win six games and look around and be a massive disappointment and have everyone say, Oh, you spent all that in free agency, but then they will draft a quarterback high and go from there for next year. And then they're still kind of working their way along the timeline. So it really depends on Justin Fields. I still think Matt LaFleur is a pretty good coach. I don't want to say the Packers are winning six games because I just think he's probably too good for that. But then that ends up me saying that you've got 11, nine, eight and eight or seven possible, not impossible at all that a division could turn out that way. Uh, the NFC is getting a little bit stronger with some moves that, teams have made this year, but that's kind of how I see it. I mean, I really see Detroit and then everybody else just kind of, yeah. you know, shuffling around in the middle and battling for those final positions. Uh, let me read some of these. So it was <laughs> instead <laughs> at the last minute, he throws the jets a curveball. says he's not going to come play quarterback. He's going to instead become a shaman from Efelt. Uh, Rob K with pot farmer. That seems right. <laughs> Truther actually is a job from Alex. Like now it is. If you have spent a lot of time on YouTube in some you weird living off it, unfortunately, Truther is a job, Uh dark room sitter, uh spiritual healer. <laughs> definitely does a lot of that. Uh, insurance salesman, 
the new Jake from State Farm, chiropractor, uh, Newark-based airline pilot. I don't really get it, but I kind of like it. Like Jets, okay, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Chiropractor is a great answer. Um, <laughs> purveyor of the thing that he smoked. Is good. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. Whatever it is that he smoked. Uh, the, the ayahuasca, I think he was drinking, right? I don't think I don't was, know how it's done. I don't, I don't know what, yeah, me either. <laughs> but uh, a, a ayahuasca tester was another one. A life coach is too good. That's exactly right. A guy who just cannot get it together, but seems to have words for everybody else for what they should do. Did you see that Danica Patrick is doing a podcast on how we didn't go to the moon or whatever? <laughs> like, how did they ever break up? And then he was dating somebody who drank mud. So I don't know. Like he finds some Where strange does he people. Find these people. We only drink really safe things like Diet yeah. Dr. Pepper. Feel free no, to dude. advertise with us, Diet Dr. Pepper, if you want to. Camp counselor. Uh there are there, other ones the, that I can't read. Prime Minister there. of Peru is just funny. I don't even know if there's a reference. Cult leader is a hundred percent possible. Thor um, with the family counselor coming in with off the top rope. Jared with uh psychedelic frog farmer. <laughs> Nicholas Cage stunt double. I don't. Uh, I guess not. sure. Family counselor. Family counselor. That's, that's a great one. That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> okay. So uh, and then and then poor Josh. I'll put his comment up here because as it's uh, the comment section is going completely mad. Josh is asking about Duke Shelley. <laughs> Packers GM. I mean, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the Jets GM anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually do think they bring back Duke Shelley. But if some other team comes in with a bigger offer, um, you know, then he might end up going elsewhere. But I, I do think so. I, I think that it'll be Byron Murphy, a Caleb Evans, Andrew Ruth Jr., Duke Shelley, and then one other person, maybe a draft pick, is going to be their cornerback room, and they're going to hope there. Host of America's Got Talent. I mean, th this one I also <laughs> saw on Twitter, but is worth putting on the screen. Shroomer Esiason being That's the great. <laughs> 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 that's you know, too good <laughs> i i uh yeah earlier i tweeted like uh wait till the jets find out that they have to have yeah. that they also have to sign a, a amateur youtube philosopher and three witches or whatever to go along with it i mean he is just uh one of the one of the strangest guys out there and has not done anything to dispel that notion over the it is it really funny just a lot of things about this. And he is one of the all-time great quarterbacks. So no disrespect to the throwing and the touchdowns and so forth and all the success because there's no take it away from that. But this yeah. last year where he's decided to just tell everybody everything he thinks and then wonder about why people pay attention to yeah. him so much. He holds the entire universe hostage over this Jets thing for oh, weeks, it feels like. And then it's like, I can't believe you guys just are so interested in me. It's uh, very weird. Yeah, we want to know where you're playing football, man. No one cares about the other stuff. I promise you that. He's so, going to have um, the locker room mad at him before he even gets there because it's taken so long and it's been drug out too long. At, at a certain <laughs> point, you just got to bleep or get off the pot. Come on, just make the decision already. You had gonna... four days in the dark tank. Just do. Just make the decision already. Yeah. <laughs> You said he had four days in the dark tank and it's actually true. Like that's a thing that really <laughs> happened. <laughs> One of the things that uh, he could do is to start companies that scam people like the dark thing. That would be another thing. Just don't invest in Silicon Valley banks like the other 
startup scams did. Uh, let's see. He's going to leave to steal welfare funds for a volleyball court. That was, a, that was an obvious answer. It was right there. It was right there to go for. It's just sitting there. Got to do it. <laughs> New host of Mr. Rogers neighborhood with weird puppets. Uh, yeah. The, his version of it would be um, maybe a little less wholesome. So <laughs> I got nothing else on free agency. Was there anything nope. else you wanted to talk about? Oh, I was going to ask you, didn't I, I think I was going to ask you like which team has got a lot better or a lot worse. Um, you know, who's actually gotten a, a, a little bit worse, but they might be so good. It doesn't matter is Philadelphia. Like they've lost some players here. They yeah. did bring back um, James Bradbury. That's good for them. But Javon Hargrave leaving TJ Edwards leaving. That's a little bit tough uh, for them. I don't think they're going to drop off. Oh, and the, the New York Giants getting Darren Waller. Have you seen this? Have you seen what yeah, happened? This is crazy. This is why the NFL never stops and is the best. That Darren Waller, the NBA thinks it's got drama. It's always childish, ridiculous drama. Now this, now this is drama. Apparently, Josh McDaniels accidentally told the media that Darren Waller was marrying Kelsey Plum before they had announced that it was happening and yeah. they were mad. And then it was kind of out there that this is what ended up leading to his trade. Somebody tweeted about how this went down and Kelsey Plum, the it's Robert Griffin player, Jr. Robert yeah, Griffin yeah, III right, said right, it. Yeah. right, right. And uh, RG3 says this and she quote tweets it and says that Josh McDaniels was not invited to the wedding. And like, wait, did Kelsey Plum and Darren Waller's wedding end up leading to him being a New York Giant? It appears like it did. Man. Wow, Daniel Jones is going to be like, I won't tell anyone anything you do, Darren. I will just throw you the yeah. football. Because everyone on the Raiders was like, what? What yeah. is going on? This is like one of our best players. I mean. It makes no sense that Josh McDaniels would A, get rid of his – I mean, I guess you want to move on from Derek Carr. That makes sense. But you're getting rid of one of your best receiving options and one of the best tight ends in the NFL. It If you're supposedly this passing offense guru, what are you doing? Having You have Devontae Adams and Darren Waller in the same offense, along with Josh Jacobs, who's one of the best running backs in the NFL right now. That is an almighty uh, receiving core and just playmakers that you have on your offense. And now you're purposely hurting yourself because you're angry because you weren't invited to a wedding? What? Or he Man, Josh McDaniels a, is... Yeah. Or he yeah. was so mad that he demanded a trade. Uh, but I, you don't have to trade him, though. That's your point, is you don't have to yeah. trade him. So there's a personal grudge here over a wedding that ends up being leading to one of the best tight ends of the NFL going to the Giants, which for the Giants is a phenomenal move. Yeah. Like, this is the thing about uh, Daniel Jones last year is he was throwing to people that I hadn't heard of before they smoked the Vikings. Isaiah Hodgins was a practice squad dude who ended up on the Giants and played really well for them. Uh, and it's, it, it is amazing how Bill Belichick consistently hires people who can't get along with other people. I mean, this is Josh McDaniels now yeah. two times manipulating everybody. The NFLPA study absolutely hated him and trashed him in, in that st or in that uh, survey. Matt Patricia is a complete joke and a disaster and ruined their last season. Yeah. And for some reason, Belichick brought him back, which was one of the worst moves Bill Belichick has ever made. And we could go down the list. It's actually funny that Brian Flores is the one guy that had success and did get along with people, and now is the Vikings defensive coordinator. But uh, other than that, it is 
there's st- there's still funny responses coming in. I can't read all of them, but they're they're the still they are still Aaron. funny. They're still funny. Uh, but it is remarkable to me how often that happens. Where it's like everyone who Sean McVay hires on his staff gets yeah. along with people great. Zach Taylor, Kevin O'Connell, those guys got great responses from the players at, at in Cincinnati and in Minnesota. And everyone from Belichick's tree, the players cannot stand them. And I, I don't, I don't get it. This seems like a common sense thing. And even if he made a mistake by accidentally mentioning that they were getting married, it's pretty, it's normally pretty easy to just apologize uh, yeah. for doing that. But it seems like that led to something much more and very funny, but you know, the NFC, it is worth saying that as the Vikings are going up, you know, trying to get back into the playoffs here, not completely tanking, the NFC has gotten a lot better on the whole. Uh, the, Mm -hmm. certainly the new Orleans saints are much better for having Derek Carr and, um, you know, all those things. So, uh, Atlanta is getting better. I don't know what they're doing exactly at the quarterback position. It might be lining up to, um, you know, for them to draft a quarterback or even trade up to draft a quarterback. So many, many things going on here, but that was one of my favorite stories in a while with (laughs) this Darren Waller, Kelsey Plum situation. So Anyway, well, uh, good time. German pop star. He's definitely <laughs> signing with the Daily Wire is the one. I just, I had to, I had to mention it. It's just too good. It's just too good. So anyway, uh, well, good times. And the Vikings sign a cornerback before our ridiculousness at the end of the show here. Uh, that's what we mostly talked about. So if you missed any of that, go back and watch the beginning where we really did a hardcore breakdown of, we had man coverage stats involved. So at one point the show was serious, but uh, this is what happens by the end of day two of free agency where crazy things have been happening. So thanks for your time, Jonathan. Thanks again for everybody watching. I have a feeling that tomorrow there will be more things that go down uh, particularly with someone named Smith or Delvin <laughs> Cook. I don't know. We'll find out, but we'll be back here going live. Make sure that you keep your eye on the channel, uh, subscribe and all that. So you know when we're going live here, but it'll be when things happen. And then probably at the end of the night, if it's an eventful day, if it's not, then maybe not, but that's what uh, I like doing here uh, as there is so much going on in the NFL. So thanks again, everybody for watching would not do these unless you guys logged in and spent your time having some fun with us. Uh, Good stuff, Jonathan and uh, free agency continues. We will be back with you another time. Thanks everybody.